Welcome to Dyslexia Explored. Again, we are going to continue our conversation with William Stone, a young man, 24 years old, who's got a distinction in his master's degree at Oxford University and is dyslexic and also a first class honours at Edinburgh University as well. And it didn't it wasn't automatic that this was going to happen. He worked very hard for it and he learned lots of techniques and strategies and mindsets that help him achieve this task. And in this episode, William is going to share more of his story about practically how he did it and a little bit more of the behind the scenes and so forth. So I hope you really enjoy this lesson. It's very practical. And I think it's the sort of thing that maybe some uh, teenagers and other university students might enjoy listening to as well. So this is us carrying on from the previous episode, episode 36, and this is now episode 37. You can listen to this one as a standalone because um, it really gets into William's system and approach for studying. So enjoy. Where do we start? How do, yeah. Share us some of your systems and things that are go-tos mm -hmm. for you. How do you learn? I think teenagers might jump in at this point here. They're doing uh, GCSEs or, well, they're kind of, they're students who are doing 11 plus entrance exams or 13 year old common entrance exams to, to write an essay, for example. There's some of them that will be listening. How do I write a story? within exam conditions, you know, 40 minutes, here's a story, there's some broken glass on the ground, finish this story. And then there's GCSEs, hires, and so on. And in America, they've got their own high school diplomas and so forth. And then university exams. I, I think the f first thing with exams, I haven't done an exam in a very long time that isn't, if it's word-based, that can't use that this system and it's really really simple cannot be used for and first thing about it is so that could be an exam that is a full essay exam maybe something that involves some comprehension skills maybe involves memorizing something so it could even be a science exam it could be it could be it could be any any facet of it and and the first thing that what for me is you know there's so many dyslexic different things work for different people um, um, sometimes it's colored overlays sometimes it's uh, having articles read out to you through software sometimes it's uh, voice recording things uh, rather than writing them or, or, or specific types but the first one for me actually was mnemonics works really really well and 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 rhymes really actually revolutionized how I remembered information as a really simple one and it's called one bun two shoe and it's about I think what's really well for dyslexics because it's about visualizing information so and for me it was it was revolutionary I was I'm a very visual thinker it, it, it meant I could put things in my head ordered so it works for orders of things as well as uh, just remembering certain number of them so it's, it goes uh, one bun and you'd imagine in your head whatever this bun looks like and whatever factor you want to introduce into it that you need to remember and you imagine in your head the image associated with that. So how can this bun be related to what you are talking about, what you are wanting to remember, and what 
and then and then okay right put that in your head remember it two shoes okay think okay right the second thing is what's the second thing imagine it with a shoe as a shoe you know be creative be saying something that's really memorable uh so, I mean, it could be very silly a lot of my uh, and then and then it goes down. So it's three tree, four door, five hive, six sticks, seven heaven, eight gate, um, and nine sign. And each one you associate with something, and and it means that you can then recall a huge amount of information quite quickly. And you may remember them by one word, but it brings out a whole new section of your mind, particularly as you get higher up in exams. For history exams, this is perfect. If you try to remember causes of something, and you you know might struggle with exam technique, get flustered, and, and then, you know, you can't do it. This is, a, this is a great sort of security blanket to think, right, I'm going to go in, I'm going to know certain key factors about a certain time period, historical concept. I remember even used it for maybe English literature lines when I had uh, tests that you couldn't take the text that you were uh, studying into the exam hall with you. So you just had to memorize some lines. And I remember I, I used this to memorize certain lines of... I think it was some Shakespeare at one point, and and I would or and John Donne poetry that you I remember these quotes by just creating silly associations in my head and, and being able to recall them like that, and that can work at any level that and definitely work with sciences to remember orders of things, and that firstly you know that can that can work for anyone, but I think it it really provided me with I I always knew I could go into an exam or into anything with a good base of what I can work with so I can again approach this methodically and, and that that really is the foundation of you know this the actual exam starts way way before that you've got to do it in the yeah. preparation and this is the preparation and it's and it's going through what, that and I'm uh, the preparation I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you I I teach children how to be methodical with their uh, studying mm -hmm. using mind mapping Oh, that's one of the questions, actually. Before I go further, mm -hmm. what's your experience of mind mapping been in this process over the last 14 years? Have you come across it? Have you used it? How did you use it? How did you learn it? I have come across it from primary school onwards. It's always been something that was that was there and a possibility. I, because I, I, and I always quite liked it for certain things, because it, but it always depended on what I was what I was trying to, what type of content I was trying to work with, I think it was, it was nice to, I, I mean, my, the type I was taught was literally just, you know, okay, right, here's a central issue, and, and let's, let's pull out the, the themes and or ideas or causes that come off of that, and it, I think it's a great way for um, ideas and, and the connection between them, I think that was something that really helped me. I never used it too much going on, just because I, I, when I was maybe planning out something, I preferred to sort of structure it just within almost like a template that, okay, well, let's say I'm, 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 I'm thinking through how I'm going to approach a topic in an essay if it comes up. Okay, there might be a question on, on a certain issue. I want three factors and I'd, I'd draw them out, but it would be, it would be, if, imagine a whiteboard. Okay, I would have them on the whiteboard and then, as it bits of information come up, rather than drawing a, a, a line and a, and a bubble with it and mapping that out, I would just put that directly underneath and create just because of the nature of essays. It a kind needs of to be more, outline mode. Yes, outline and 
And bullet points for me, I responded better to mode. like the chronology of ideas. Like I, I wanted to like yeah. see them connect. Like uh, I wanted to see them connect to each other uh, in a way that was. I really responded better to seeing them connect, seeing how the direction goes and how development happens laterally and 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 developing towards okay this is the conclusion i want to reach well this idea plus this yeah. idea plus this idea that worked for me yeah. uh better in, because then i can put my, that in directly apply it in my understanding of it you you've basically had an experience of mind mapping as a brainstorming type yeah um, oh yeah, yeah experience but never really taken it into a sort of methodical process visual methodical process which not many people do no and it's no. one of these things you need to be systematically taught but yes, I was never let's taught get my back mapping. to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to you. So, uh, oh yeah, ad break. You know, if you do want to get taught by it, you know, Bullet Map Studio does it. This Bullet Map Studio sponsors this podcast, and we do teach yeah. um, young ones how to visually note take. But back to William. So William, let me see. Let's take a scenario. You've got a history test. Mm -hmm. You've got a history exam. Okay. In a year's time, you're a teenager. Mm -hmm. You know everything that you know now, right from the beginning, from day one, what, before your first lesson. What would your strategy be? How would you take notes? How would you condense those notes? Mm -hmm. How would you, you know, what's your process? Yeah, and I, I think that the first step, and, and you absolutely just, said it and actually the way you think about mind uh, methodically going through mind mapping is note taking that is the most important thing is have you know a, a, my systematic way of doing it was i think i got this one the young you learn it the better and it was it was more that again that the breaking down the ideas and reconfiguring ideas let's see what the textbook you've got you're working from the textbook for this history exam and okay. You've got these. Uh, you've got these uh, paragraphs that there's information you need, there's information you don't need. The best way I think to start would be I, I'm a big fan of of having that text. Okay, making photocopies and having that text in front of you, something like that. If you're working from a from a text, to, or even even just if it's not you're working from one text from from many, and and have multicolored pens, have highlighters, and just go through and and be brutal. Okay, well, well firstly, well. What is useful for your exam? What what is the main point of this 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 paragraph or this 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 chapter that they're talking about? What is it that you're going to take away if if this historical period you know you're studying a certain part of it? Right, well, parts of that will not be useful, and you don't the information make pick out the most useful information. How it's going to work? Maybe it's key dates. Use that use a certain color for that. Maybe it's uh, key people use a certain color for that. Highlight those. Write them down at the same time on separate pads of paper. Key names, key dates. Uh, there could be key points, key themes that keep coming up. Because if you're doing a history exam, the more you can bring in maybe a theme to link all these things together, better. You know, it could be the the more you can link certain bits of information that may not be linked in the text together. And okay, right, okay, well these two things connect because two countries and World War One were uh, militarizing at the same time. Okay, that that's a point I can make if I put these two bits of information that are in separate chapters together. I have my own point because yes. you've picked out very useful bits about maybe it's key facts that are coming through that 
are in this text, but that you know, just working from that text might not be enough. Break it down, break it down, and then and then that's that's the first step of just information gathering and 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 uh, color associations for me were very very useful, and I've used that for at least ten years now to 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 look at themes, and then the next step for me was it was note taking, but it was always note taking again with this system about okay, right, well there might be an essay on this specific. Or this this question that is about causes of things, uh, we, kind of questions you might get at, at, in your teens as a, in history class, the causes of World War One, something like that. Okay, well, let's let's get a sheet of paper for each one, or maybe more, and, and let's put these this information, these notes that I've found, these key bits of information. Well, what what point do they serve? Okay, do they serve that? There were specific issues with alliances. Were there specific issues with the military? Were there specific specific social issues that came about that were causing these things? Okay, well, let's put that information, reorganize my the notes that you've written out. So every time you're writing out, I think for me, handwriting out notes is the only way I can do it. Typing them out on a computer, I just don't get that same connection with it. That means it's put commit to my memory. Whereas if I write it out and keep writing out in another format. Not re you're never regurgitating it. You're reapplying yeah, that note. You're not recopying the notes. Never. You're rewriting and reorganizing, and and you're getting that extra benefit. The the processing of the writing and the reorganizing at the same time. And you think strategically. Okay, what are they going to ask me in these questions? What are the kind of things? It's not the exact questions, and you're not. And the, the key thing is, you're not trying to write the essay so you can copy it out again in the exam. It's so tempting. It's so tempting to be like, oh, if I could just figure out what the essay is, I'll just copy it out again, right? And do it beforehand. Yeah. That's not that's not preparation you want, but you still need to think when you get a question about it because it, it might slightly change. That there might be something attached to that question that changes it a bit that you need to make your answer more nuanced. This is just the way that your mind can have this information compartmentalized in the different sections. And every time you know, you're not having to memorize a sheet, but every time you're breaking down a certain theme into segments, and, and I always made flashcards of the key dates or key people, so okay, that's one way of making that work. Uh, but all the time, and as the exam got closer, I'd, I'd break down these, these sort of themed topics more and more and more and more, until finally I, I associated them only with numbered one, two, three, four, five, and then maybe a keyword to do with that. And with that comes a, a bit of information. I then commit that to the one, two, uh, one bun, two shoe process so that if I get in an exam and something comes up about a certain topic or anything related to that topic, I can think, okay, right, well, let's use that. Let's use this. And in fact, you could have multiple one bun, two shoe working simultaneously as long as you remember the first yeah. one, don't mix them up. That the rest yeah. will probably fall into place. For me, at least, they did. And yeah. You can mix and match once you get in the exam. Use the information freely. Don't feel constrained by it. But it means that you're going to get there and, and be able to have the confidence of not staring at a blank sheet of paper, hoping you've read the question right, and then just you know not not performing at your potential when you have put a lot of work hard work in, when you have done the work. But if the exam might be the thing that trips you up. Exams so let's talk about that. So you've, you've done all this preparation. You've gone through taking the notes, mm -hmm. reorganizing the notes into different orders and patterns and rewriting them. 
you've then distilled them into flashcards, you've memorized them with the one bun, two shoe, mnemonics and so on. Yeah. You're ready for your exam, you know the causes, you know the themes, you know the keywords, key dates, and then the exam comes. When mm. you open up that exam, well, I tell you what, 10 minutes before the exam, let's start yeah. 10 minutes before the exam, because I think from 10 minutes before the exam, that's some of the most crucial points, yes. the 10 yeah. minutes before the exam and the 10 minutes after the teacher says, you may begin mm -hmm. those 20 minutes. Describe your process when it comes to those 10 minutes pre yeah. and 10 minutes of start, because I know they're crucial. And I know you yes. probably do too. Yeah, they're absolutely crucial. I think, you know, it's very easy to psych yourself out, especially being as it's easy for anyone to psych themselves out in an exam because it's so, you know, you're so hyped amped up yeah. for it. You're so everything like led sports. towards that. It's like yeah, all your friends you really are doing gotta, it too. Like, yeah. You know, you've got to get yourself in a mindset. And that goes for anyone. But it, I think the first thing is don't have your notes out before that 10 minutes. Before, you know, you're always going to get to an exam hall. Every, there's going to be some people frantically flicking through these notes they have, this whole huge book of them. You know, that's the no. Maybe a couple flashcards, maybe. But you know what? If you don't know it, then you won't know it. You know, you just you just don't know it. You know, so know it beforehand. Put the put the effort in beforehand. That ten minutes have to just like just re like take a deep breath before going in. And I think that is vital. You know, never don't you don't need to last minute cramming isn't going to do it. You know, it's absolutely the way to do it is having started way before. But as you know, by the time you get to that exam hall. And someone's got stuff written on the hand. Someone's flicking through their notes. Like you don't need to be one of those people who's freaking out. You can be one of the people who's going to sit in there. You're going to do the best exam you can. And then once you sit, and that's that ten minutes, and and it is, you know, just even even going over in your head, that's fine. But going over the things that you know and and you're confident with, and you know certain things are going to come up. You don't, you know, you can never be totally confident in an exam because they could they could catch you out. But just going through what you know and and then once you get in there it's okay right let's think about the questions you see before you you know okay they say, you know the, they they say turn your page over what do you do and the the most important thing is to read through the questions again and again and again because there's so many exams that I've thought that it was another question that I couldn't answer but actually it was a question that maybe maybe the wording was like different than I've seen before is to go through that and and it's taking that time underline things be really break down that to figure out so you, you know you can approach that question whilst everyone else is starting to scribble they're going crazy they've already started writing the thing it's to have that sort of discipline to hold out wait and go through underline maybe write a couple of little notes by the side so you make sure you know what that question is actually asking not what you want it to ask if you've memorized essay essays or essay plans or essay formulas you aren't uh, you aren't answering what it is asking you're answering what you want it to ask and that's different and but if you want the best results so it's okay right you, you know so you've chosen your question next bit is take another 10 minutes to plan it at least take as much time as you can and then you go through the information that's in your head and you can think okay well that that's quite a good point put that down think through it is it relevant you know, structure it. Okay, right. This, this. I need to write an essay in the next hour. It's not about how much you write. It's. I've never been had an exam back when someone said, "Oh, you wrote too little." When you didn't run out, you know, excluding when you run out of time, you wrote too little in this. 
it's, so it's all about quality, not quantity. It's someone who's writing, you know, already on the tenth sheet by this point next to you, but that might be rubbish. You know, they might just be a stream of conscious that's coming out, and that no exam wants that. But if you are approaching something, even if it is a story, okay, think I'm going to go from this point to this point to this point to this point. Your plan is absolutely vital, and I know at least in the UK system, even if you don't finish, they will mark your plan as if you had. Uh, well, not as if you've written it, but they will take the ideas into account that you planned out to write. So it pay it pays off to plan as well in case things don't go your way. And, and I think that's really good to okay, right? Let's think of three courses to write this essay. Not not four, not five. Don't spend all your time on one one paragraph getting it perfect and exclude the the pro the cons and you don't need on the pros of an argument. Ballot, you know, make sure you actually. I, I used to do it even more strictly than that and actually time out exactly how much each point within an essay should take. And if it's gone yeah. beyond 20 minutes, right, move on, move on, full stop, I was the little same. concluding sentence. Okay, right, yeah. next thing has to go. So it's it's down to like the minute because as soon yeah. as discipline starts to fall apart, yeah. I found for me, oh, the whole thing's thrown. My ideas go all over yeah. the place. I get stuck on one because question, keep going, and it's not good. Yeah. As a dyslexic, we can lose track of time very easily as well. Mm-hmm. That's a biggie. I mean, I remember when I went into exams, I, if I knew I've got 45 minutes to answer this question, so that means I've got three minutes to read the mm-hmm. question. I then have got yes. eight minutes to do my outline. I then got two minutes to uh, do this, and then I've got... Uh, 10 minutes yeah. to redo the first point, 10 minutes for the second point in the essay time. And it was like that. And I actually wrote the times down yeah. um, on the top of my page before I wrote my notes. And uh, I would get the start time, 10 a.m. And then I'd write, well, that would be 10.02, 10.03, 10.50. Yeah. I did I'd exactly the same. Yeah. Check. Did you do the same? Yeah, exactly yeah. the same. Exactly the same. To the, yeah, to the minute. Minute. Because and, I, and and I, I, went I over needed that. Minute, yeah, if I went over yeah. by a minute or two, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm stealing it. I'm stealing it. I'm stealing it from something that's yeah. important. I know that if I reread this essay and I give myself two or three minutes mm-hmm. to reread it, I will get two or five extra points because I'll pick things Absolutely. up. I yes. cannot steal from that, you know? Can yeah. giving one or two extra minutes to write this paragraph actually compensate for losing those? N- n- no. Right. And there's a certain point where you're going, can't afford this, you've got to stop. Yeah. And, you and there's on. always that voice in your head as well. It's like, oh, just finish this point. You really, you really want to write it. It's really important. Yeah. And the answer is no. Finish the essay as a whole. Yeah. It's like it's better to just don't take that time and, and be really strict. And I think that that I really responded well to that to that discipline, uh, self discipline in the exam hall, and apply that to just any any exam because it and and yeah. because you know, you feel confident that you're going to answer everything especially if you've got a really long exam at university sometimes it'd be like a three hour exam and they may have extra time on it it suddenly becomes almost four hours long <laughs> yes so it means that this is this is a this is an, a marathon just in, uh, mentally to be able to perform and write for that amount of time yeah so to know okay right i'm going to break this down and that may not be to the exact minute let's let's put it to exact five minutes or something like yes, that yeah but to know okay this point i have to finish this essay if not the next two aren't going to be good and that's not then i haven't finished it then i haven't done the exam properly okay right yeah. let's again again think through so, and do this beforehand plan you know this these 
you know that this is going to be how I approach it beforehand because it's it's there's actually mind I don't think works just freewheeling in a in a in a stressful deadline situation in three hours someone's going to take a bit of paper away from you but you want to well, explore you, the concepts you, I think dyslexics are brilliant at freewheeling we're great at improvising but you need to use improvising at the at the appropriate level mm -hmm. and improvisation is at the conceptual level not the process level of right i need to write this point and do this and do that but the you you free up that space to really yeah. think about the concepts and deliver the yeah. ideas and the solutions in whether it's a an essay in an exam or in real life or in a meeting or yeah. in you know a business or whatever you know you you need to have the self discipline to know this is where i need to be disciplined and this is where i can yeah. freewheel yes and you can get creative with an idea and you can explore something that di you didn't have in your regimented scheme and i think that's it is you know have have these bits that can give you structure but if you become too attached to them suddenly you end up struggling with the structure and not the essay you you haven't you know if, if you have a problem is oh you know you're struggling over it. what point did i have to remember okay right that's when you start thinking again that's when you can think okay right well let's let's approach this differently let's that it, you really got to know yourself and and be selective with what you're doing and how you're approaching things and ha and and find the combined approach and it's always different depending on whatever life situation you're in uh, professionally and or academically or in school you know you've got to got to have that hybrid approach and and one thing for me that actually isn't necessarily a, a tool but something that really affected my idea for discipline and a friend when I was twelve friend of a friend said, oh, you know, I've got these free karate lessons. Do you want to come? And I'd never even heard of it before. I never thought about it. And then I started going and I got absolutely hooked. There was something about this, this, about karate and it's, it's, it's discipline. Mm. And it, it, the oh, regimented mindset yes. that I still do it now. You know, it's been 12, it's been 12 years that I've done it. And it's, it, it, that was one thing you know, there might not be any a total coincidence between the, the time that I kind of started achieving more in school from the bottom set upwards was when I was really getting into karate. It was something that I think it was a motivating factor. It was something about achievement. It was so and 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 discipline that all com combined together to mean that I had better self worth and and better maybe better discipline when approaching things. And I think that that was but really key and that for me that was yeah that's something you can't just learn it's it's an abstract it's not it's not it's not a strategy i learned but it, it absolutely affected it. it and that could be other sports as well i guess it's something that can really you can really change yeah, your mindset it, it's some um, it's it's interesting you mentioned that because i got into yeah. karate at the same age oh and, really and Fantastic. what kind did you do i did, did do? shotokan i do i showed i was karate. shotokan as well yeah, yeah. oh amazing and, yeah what what we're going to be doing in Bullet Map Studio is we're going to have grades of bullet mapping according to the belts. Oh, fantastic. So you start as a yeah. white belt until you become a black belt. And there are seven different maps. And once mm -hmm. you've mastered each map, you, you, you get a belt. And you, you get a certificate and a medal. And if you want, a belt as well. Because what you're fighting with is it's like the, your pen is mm -hmm. a weapon yeah it's like a sword that you're carving this information out and you're 
cutting out the important information and, and, and it's like a craftsman, you know, crafting these ideas and using this skill. So I've yeah. taken my childhood experience of Shotokan as a as a as a discipline and applying yes, yeah. it to mind mapping in the bullet map method so that oh, brilliant. you know children go away from oh spider diagrams and mind mapping. No, this is bullet mapping. This is a, a method, a process, yeah. a discipline that can get you to your results faster and more yes. enjoyably. Yeah. And so it's funny that you mention that because I, I really want to do these yeah. belts. And the kids, when I tell them about it, they're like, yeah, great. Let's. Yeah, know. that's that's fine to ask for. Really interesting that there's that connection. I, I, I think there's something specifically about Shotokan Karate as well that really helped me. And it was, it's, it, it's so traditional. You know, it's not, it, it's, it's not the same as other sports. It's something about it. it. It's it's also just on on you. It's something you do by yourself. You can do it by yourself. You can you don't need a team for it. it, it there were yeah. there were other elements that really meant that. Yeah, I think it was a mindset change that 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 it enforced that in while I was getting into my teens that I could develop, and certainly I think systematized failure in some ways because there's so many ways it's really hard to if you don't do well in an essay because of the the not necessarily dyslexic reasons but you really struggled with something and you couldn't find the right you couldn't get the right expression for something and and you failed test or failed something else it, it karate and, and and things like it that well sometimes you don't get the belt you want sometimes you aren't good enough sometimes and and it systematizes that within a really you know a safe structure that you're it's okay to fail but you can yeah. keep you can have another go and that's part of it. That's part of it. And that's the same way if you apply that to, to school, you can do that too. Yes. And, and I think what I notice with karate and school is that if you, if you compare them, when, I was ex when school was explained to me as a system, mm -hmm. as a puzzle that I could figure out, when the rules of the game were explained, I could say, well, how do I win? And you go, well, you win yeah. by doing this. Oh, well, how do I do that? And and it was broken down at yeah. that point. It wasn't just some bewildering, you know, swirling information yeah, and just right. lesson yeah. after lesson. Where's the goal? Where's the target? Where's the ball? Where wh Who's on what side? And it's how do ordered I get and this? achievable in a way yes. that it's not yes. just, uh, how, you know, this endless problem. It's not arbitrary. No, yeah. And... And, and I think, you know, with karate and sport, it's not arbitrary. You know, there's a goal, there's a target mm -hmm. that you, you either get it in the goal or you don't. And there's direct feedback. And I think that's one of the things that we need as dyslexics is we need to know the rules of the game. We need to yes, get direct yeah. feedback so that we can adjust yeah. and, you know, get the goal we want. But when the feedback doesn't make sense to us, we 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 can't adjust. Yes, I think that is that, and it's a difficult process. It's a difficult process to first you got to be proactive. I think that's that's a key is to be proactive when searching for feedback and searching to find how how, how something works. Okay, right. Well, if you've got an assignment or a, to do, you know, asking that little bit extra to say, uh, going up and asking, yeah. hey, what is it you really want from me? 
You know, what yeah. is it you really want to ask and, and, and find that essential point and use that as okay, right, no you know, no matter how hard this seems, I need to I need to find this this thing within it. And then the and and then try and um so you always have that to go with it. And that takes, you know, going up and asking someone something and, and putting yourself out there, which is tough. And, and then again, also the process of asking, well, what did I do wrong? is a really tough one because no one likes criticism. But yeah. sometimes it's the most helpful thing to getting better at something um, that I think is absolutely key. If, you know, if you can get keep getting by and don't get good criticism, you're never going to develop that well. Of course, everyone wants good grades, but even if you have a good grade, doesn't mean you can't done. You can't you can't develop something more because that's when you know you do, do find that out, develop that at the stage when you're a teen, because so you can deal with that better when you are maybe at university or in a job where that's you you need. To, we want to seek that out because it will only put you in better stead at getting better at something that you don't know that well. Because when you're starting a new topic or starting yeah. a new job entirely, new career. You got you yeah. have a lot of information thrown at you. How are you going to de- well, how are you going to deal with it? Yeah, and Shotokan Karate. What one of the things that is a hallmark of it is it's so clear what it expects. Yes, you know you're yeah. not doing an interesting you know kick that has different variety and so on. No, this is a side kick. This is a, yeah. a, this kind of kick. This is that, and you can do it at a yellow belt level or yeah. a black belt level. The and you'll same be doing move. the basics at at the black yeah, belt level as well at and different that's, level that's it yeah because as you get better you realize oh there's there's whole different levels of there's doing it yes that's possible at a certain level but there's there's always something more to improve yeah no one's is ever perfect it's always something better and you should be doing the same things at the highest level as you're doing at the lowest and yes. doing them well but the basics always work the basics always I, are i think it's a good lesson for anything it's the basics you should always know. yeah so, what level are you at now? So, I'm a black belt. I'm a first dan. I have had some time. I have, I, you know, going to university, it means away from home. It, it always meant that it was disjointed, but whenever I can yeah. get back, I always train at the same club that I went to um, growing up. Uh, it's it's just, it, it for me, it's it's amazing. It's, it, it's, it's, I'm almost it's like my medicine to, to go there because it clears my thoughts. It's, because it, it's almost therapeutic in so many ways, because it's it is methodical and it's 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 deve- it's very strict developments and and I think it it, it does a lot of good for, for for a lot of people for many many different reasons. But it can give yeah. good people who lack discipline and 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 to learn at and it can also be very good for gaining confidence. And that was where I was. That's exactly what I got from what yes. I was getting from it. Yes. This podcast is sponsored by DyslexiaProductivityCoaching.com, which helps you organize yourself creatively with a productivity system for Apple devices. That's interesting because I gained a lot of confidence from karate and it spills over. Confidence spills over yeah. into other areas of your life. Yeah. And I think that's one of the advice people give parents of dyslexics is, look, find something that they'll be confident about and feel yeah. they, they can do well and ironically if you do really well at something that's outside of school it can spill over yes. psychologically yeah. into school and you and i think that's maybe one of the reasons why this flip happened for you at 13 and 14 yeah 
And I suspect there's maybe even, if you looked back, because your discipline physically, you're probably processing your memories better and it's affecting right. your working memory by going and doing something completely different and physically processing it. It's giving another part of your brain time and space to do another form of processing in the yes. brain like when yeah. you sleep. And then it, when you come back to whatever you're doing, your working memory is emptied and capable of because that's Capable one of the dyslexic processing issues. again. That's really interesting. I haven't thought about it, like, but I could absolutely see that that being a possibility and having that. I think it's also having something that's yours. I think at school, it's very you know, school is never yours. School is you share yeah. it with many others, and and the development, you know, it's always compared to somebody else. It's always okay. Well, you know, you're not getting the top grades in your class, and then somebody's and getting lower grades in the class. That's so demoralizing. Have something outside of that. That's yours. Yeah, that you are achieving in does spill over, right? Absolutely, and and whatever that is, it needs to you know you cultivate that, and uh, because it it does spill over, and, and the more you can and develop, continue to develop, the the better I think. And something that can last for a long time is is very good, you know, to to have yes. that extent, and that's why karate is very good because it's it's not a quick fix. You're not going to quickly achieve your black belt. If you do, you you're not in the right place. Yes. Yes, uh, that's why when I do the bullet map grading system, it's going to take at least two years to get a black belt yeah. and, a, and a year to get a brown belt. And, and it's interesting for, for me as a bullet mapping teacher is that I really wanted kids to learn these quick skills as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And that has its pros and its cons. So like within eight lessons, over a couple of months, students have gone from failing at D's and getting C's and B's. And just because they found a system which works with their mind, and that's great. Yeah. But what I've realized is that they can lose it very quickly because it's not in their habit. And yes, that's, that's where it. this kind of sports approach where, you know, yeah. you need a target you need to exercise it you need Repetition. to bring it into your body mm -hmm. into your memory into your habits and then it becomes automatic and if we don't have that we lose it as yeah, dyslexic. i think it's absolutely but right people, and i think but yeah it's practicing it, it's practicing and, and you're right it's making something a habit and it's not just for the english test that you're struggling with it absolutely needs to be for you need to make it part of how you approach everything and then it becomes yeah. second nature. You don't even realize you're doing it because that's just how you get through. That's just how you work through problems. That's how you, that's how you work through an assignment or an exam. Yeah. And I think that's it's having having that is is absolutely key. Um, and 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 rep repeating, repeating, repeating. But that's that's it. You know, I wasn't bad at language. Uh, maybe vocabulary test at school. We had to memorize all these new words, and I remember them. Put them down in the, you know, write them down in the test. Forget them straight away. You know, I couldn't. I couldn't spell yeah. them again afterwards. It was it because it, yes, I was good for like that moment. But then because I hadn't really learned, I hadn't learned yeah. it. I just met. I just yeah. superficially memorized it, and not committed to anything. So, we've we've talked at a sort of school exam level. Mm -hmm. Why don't we talk at the level of university student, master's degree student? Because I've actually got a few students who are doing master's degrees, mm -hmm. Clarissa, shout out, in Germany, <laughs> her second master's, and she's mm -hmm. dyslexic, and oh, she's brilliant. actually doing our training course alongside 11-year-olds. So 
11-year-olds and yeah. university students are doing the training course. Yes, so there are other people who are listening yeah. who are like at a master's level. You know, what advice would you give them as dyslexics at a master's level? That's a very good question. And it, I think it really, it can depend on when, I guess, you really had this moments that we were talking about. What was the before like? When was your moment of awakening? You know, how, you know, when was that? Because that, it, I think it just changed the timeline of when and how you're dealing with things. Yeah. I think at the master's level, it's, and I can only speak from really humanity's point of view, when you're dealing with huge amounts of text, very complex, you're meant to read it fast and you're meant to understand it fully. That you know, and, and they're meant to have opinions about it. So, you know, the spark notes won't quite cut it, but probably someone's going to ask about a specific line on a specific page. Very, you know, so it's going to be very specific. So it's not just going to be good to have a, a, a broad overview. You need to know it, which is really, really difficult. The time, the, the and as I said before, you know, the best thing that, the best thing that I would recommend is it's, putting the time in and, and persevering when you know the class has stopped to, to go back maybe reread something that okay right no it's not absolutely essential to what you have to do next but you didn't understand it have that process of self-process of criticizing yourself at points being like I, I wasn't good enough then but okay right I know I don't need that for my next assignment or my next essay but let's work on that right now and and build that up, build it up constantly as you go through so that, okay, right, the weeks might be difficult, but when you start getting to your submissions and your final exams, you you feel like you've bolstered yourself to a point that you're not having to deal with all these problems that have come up throughout the year that you just hit. They happened, you address them immediately, and then put that into practice again. You know, seek out something that you found hard, find the professor who maybe took you through that tutorial or, or and and address that point that you found difficult See, and especially at master's level where classes are smaller so you can't sink into the class you know people will be asking you things then really be be willing to to set up a dialogue don't be passive be active all the time set start a dialogue with your tutors and even other students you know read make sure your essays are proofread that's key and i you know i submitted some stuff having to write it on a really tight deadlines that wasn't proofread and the only thing that my professor came back with was a line by line analysis of my bad grammar and 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 my and my and my typos that I didn't even realize that was not and it wasn't was I didn't spell check it it's just over the wrong word so what that means is they only answer they they're only marking the the words on the page not the ideas they're trying to communicate because what you really wanted them to do was talk about the ideas they want to communicate and they never get to that because they're trying to just understand you're not communicating eloquently and fluently and i think that that was something that i had to try really really hard at is take the more even ask for a bit more time on something if it's just an internal essay and say right you know get someone else to proofread it for you any you know any any a peer a family member just to pick up on these small things and not they're not content specific they're just to give it that that polished look because you could hand someone an a PhD that's revolutionary brilliantly brilliant ideas but if you've got a spelling mistake in your first sentence people are uh, people don't take it seriously but they just don't and then they'll focus on looking for every tiny comma that's out of place and semicolon that's been misused 
and that not focusing on on what you're meant to be saying, what you're trying to say. And I think that that frustrated me a lot. But that is something that that would be my best advice is to is to make sure that you know make these things professional. Because I think you can get away with particularly maybe format. So a lot of these essays include a lot of footnotes, bibliographies that include a large secondary level of reference. That you know, lessons before don't really don't really need, but at a university level, they, they do. Going through, combing through, making sure your full stops are in the right place, commas, everything, the right things are capitalized, because the markers will go through them. And if there are inaccuracies, it just makes you look unprofessional. And- I suppose a lot of the what what I've noticed with my wife, who really thinks very well in this way, she's a very linear, very systematic very literal thinker, a literary thinker, words-based mm-hmm. thinker rather than conceptual-based. Although you can still think in concepts in words, but you can think in concepts in images or in words. And there are some people yeah. who think in concepts in images and some people who think in words. And us dyslexics are often in images, but then we translate them into words to communicate them. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, what happens is, you know, it's like when someone starts telling you a little thing that's untrue they think oh well if he said that little thing that's untrue that i know is untrue yes yeah and he's going to start telling me lots of stuff i'm not sure about i'm gonna think maybe he's you know fudging it on that and i think sometimes people look at grammar and spelling and form like this as a sort of have they been thorough in the way they've gone through all these footnotes yeah Maybe they haven't because they're describing it in this way. I mean, I personally think, judge me on the concepts that I pulled out of all of this reading yes, rather yeah. than on how well I footnoted it. Have you seen That's how it. I digested all this and delivered it? But people do get distracted by these things, don't That's they? That's it. And I think at a master's level, you got, you know, the, you t- we've talked about knowing the game you're playing and knowing the system. Yeah. And at a master's level, the game you're playing is, is, is at, academic and and academia or demand you know you okay don't don't plagiarize that's the number one rule and and number two is is actually you'll get a you'll get better mark you could have a fantastic essay if it's footnoting is bad they're going to give you a bad mark but you can have a mediocre essay with amazing footnotes and get a great mark because they they that's the game that's the game you're playing that's the standard they want you know you can have more free thought put in there but it needs to have these this this professionalism within the field that you're working in that you're going to give them a fully finished product that they can't tell whether you're dyslexic or whether but i think some people are on they see mistakes in a text they aren't willing to give you the benefit of the doubt that you're dyslexic they're more likely to jump to the conclusion oh they wrote this last night didn't put much thought into it i'll look for the signs of it being hasty i'll look for it to if it's rushed because otherwise, how could they not have done this? And it's you know, I miss things all the time that I have written that make no sense, but in my mind they do. So I'm and I do proofread stuff, and there's still errors, and they get less and less and less. There used to be in every line, and now even at the start of university, but now there's very few, but they're absolutely still there. And as clear, most of we got to write a lot of words, and sometimes you have to quite tight deadlines. You've got to. You know, you, you need to make that part of your process and put time aside for that proofreading to happen, so you're not submitting something 
that the the minute before its deadline and to to have that as part of your process as well as you know do it writing good essay thinking good thoughts don't be tripped up by dyslexia at and that that be what dictates what you're doing and and because in the mark schemes of all these things the you know you can't you can't really pass above a, the first level if your prose isn't you know the words they use is that prose and grammar must be nearly perfect they can't give you a good grade unless it is that so yeah if you have a lot of inaccuracies well then they they kind of got to put you in the bottom tier even if what you're saying is good because you're not you've not got clear communication because i think that is key well you've mastered that at a level that very few dyslexics ever get to and what actually tends to happen is dyslexics move into a game with rules that allow them to explain concepts and so forth without having to play by other rules. So, for example, mm. film and documentaries. Let's let's complete this circle. You're yeah. at the, the realm of telling the story, sharing concepts and ideas at a documentary level uh, where the rules of the game are maybe a bit different now. Yeah. And, and it would be interesting to see that child who was 13-year-old and thought he would become a film director or something like that. Now you're in film, in, in form. Could you close that circle and tell us where you're at yeah. at the moment and tell us a bit about the documentaries you're doing? And is this a space where you're finding your dyslexic abilities and concepts and so on are, are finding more of a home? I, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it is. It is. It, it's definitely a change because coming from school and university, where everything is so structured. Well, first you know when you're having your holidays. You know when. You know when your deadlines will be. You know when your exams are going to be. Right from the outset, every year. That's not the same for documentary researching. It's to it's almost totally freelance. So it's a couple of weeks here. Maybe can you come in tomorrow? Start working on an idea. And it could be anywhere. It's 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 all over the place, and 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 all the ideas will be, uh, and most of the time. So I deal with a lot of foreign affairs documentaries. They are uh, the topic could be anything, any time, in on any continent. So you do have to. Why? Well, and I love. I actually love that. I'm frustrated by the lack of structure at times, but I absolutely love the freedom that and creativity that allows me to and. Just how interesting it is to jump between all these different topics and it will be most of what I do is okay right research this topic and, and see if it's viable is this story going to be viable can it can it have is it both going to be interesting be told by interesting characters can it actually be filmed is this something that is out there with people who will tell it who can we see it finding actuality to things balancing all those facts and then and then trying to put that together in a, in a proposal that would be okay right well this story needs to be told because and i think there are certain things that from even though it's it's not the content isn't the same as what i was doing at university that can transfer fr from what i learned there and it's that's that's the work ethic and it's, that's i think it's also the ability to research really really well because when you're putting in all these hours when you have to do more hours than everybody else well you're also researching you're looking for the best uh you know you're looking for the best text you're looking for the best okay write newspaper articles that t t you know if you're looking for facts 
your and and when you want it's note taking something like that well that that's useful you want to have good information like the role of a researcher in documentary is about information gathering and then and then reconstituting that f finding a storyline and, and putting that information ordering it so that it fits into a storyline that's going to be engaging it's going to be informative and that's going and it's going to be entertaining as well and that challenge is actually not as far from finding an essay topic researching the essay topic and firstly well and also okay right what's the brief what am i trying to do with this bit of writing as again being conscious of what is the style of thing i'm writing is this an essay is this or is this a letter is this a story is this well, maybe is this is this report i'm writing or and this pitch i'm writing is this do they want to know the logistics of something okay how do we get from here to here is that feasible or do they want to know the heart of the story and how a character is going to go through a story arc so again it's it's wanting to seek out you've got to be really critical of, of how a how you're writing and what you're writing and i think that comes from having having to have been so detail oriented about my writing being it's labor intensive for a dyslexic to, to write anything to get it up to a good stand and it's not the ideas it's just the about the words you choose and it's about how you know the syntax grammar it's getting that it's that level that it needs that you know that can actually be transferred across into what i do now which is it was just not related in, in many ways but the the same principle same principles still apply the same principles still apply yeah. but that's just how you work through a problem uh, will have we seen any of your of of documentaries you've worked on or proposed? Oh, yet? not yet, not yet. Because you know, the thing is, and this is the problem of being right in the beginning stages, is that you don't even realize how long these things take if if they if they get made. You know? So it's 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 really it's really really difficult because you know it's so far down the line that a lot of the time they don't. It's great ideas don't get made, which is really sad. But I I just finished working for a a show called Unreported World on Channel Four which uh, is a, a, a current affairs series and it's been going for, for a very long time and they do these foreign affairs that send a presenter out to some wilderness or, or you know, to deal with a social issue that's happening somewhere in, in a very challenging place and I, I worked for them did some research work with them and that was that that was amazing so the, the series is going to come out with that and they've got some fantastic stories and and that's you know it's exactly the kind of environment i want to be working in and i i really like hashko from the academic context where it's okay right here's one idea explore it thoroughly over months to okay here's a nice idea can you become an expert on it in a day right now you know that it, it's exciting change to be in that documentary world now uh but yeah. it's still i think the mean the thing that does it for me is it's, it's about thinking you know it's it's a it, you've got to be switched on the entire time and, and you're looking to understand how why something works and that's why it appeals to me no matter really what i'm what i'm talking about so it isn't as far divorced you know even when i said okay right well i'm right, having to write reports to deadlines well that yeah. that's not why i'm in it I'm in it because of the what the concepts it allows me to talk about on a daily basis. William, let's start winding it up. And um, yeah. what often we, yeah, what sort of things that would you like to share that we've not you've not shared 
do you do you have do you do Instagram? Do you do Facebook? Do you get people to follow you? Do you have some sort I of? I don't actually. What, no, want no. To know more yeah. about you, or if people want to know more about me, that's a great. That's a great. It's a great thought. If people want to know more about me, it's I do. I mean, I don't know how I could be contacted by people. It's um, I'm actually so interested in in, in helping other dyslexic stories and and speaking about the speaking a. a about that because it's something that doesn't get talked about enough and it affects a huge amount of people's lives and it is a disability is a it, it, and it can affect people's lives so much so it's something I, I'm, I'm really open to i do have uh i do have a website people contact me through oh yeah what's the website no i could share i, I can i can send the link yeah That's we'll right. get we'll put it in the show notes okay um, perfect so send us the link and we'll put it into the show notes. That's got okay. my email and stuff on it. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. So there might be other people who are listening to this thinking, oh, I'd really love William to do a talk or another podcast or something yeah. like that. So you're up for that, yeah? Absolutely. I, I, I've Great. talked to a couple of my schools and it's, it's something that I, you know, I, I respond really well to people who told me that it's going to be, when I was a lot younger, probably pre-teens, that it's going to be okay. You know, this isn't, this isn't for everyone it feels like it is yeah that there will be no relenting from it being incredibly frustrating and difficult and then it does get better and if i could be the advocate then for that then i will yeah i'm very happy to do that yeah where are you based by the way so i'm based in colchester it's just um north of london that's where i grew up actually at the moment i'm in glasgow what advice would you give to parents advice to parents Mm. I would say that it, it's. I know my parents really struggled with their this the the idea that okay, well they found out young that the child has a problem and how it's going to affect them and and have to face this without have to face dyslexia without knowing what it is because they may not have it themselves. So without ha- having to be able to have empathy, it's very hard to understand how someone could struggle struggle reading basically. But for me, I think the best advice I can give to parents is to you know stay stay the course and and, and believe it that the intellect the intellect's there. What you need is to just keep keep working and really believe it. You know your child has has a lot of good things. Thing and it's, this just won't be forever. This is something that is temporary. Then can and there can be there can be solutions to these problems that they can they can learn and it it will take time. But there's there are a lot of options and. There's a huge amount of support, and it is to find, it is to actively seek out. Right, well, what's going to work for them? Is it going to be mind mapping? Is it going to be uh, maybe doing a martial art or a sport? Is it going to be what's going to give them the confidence to keep going with it? And I think it's it's to absolutely just keep persevering with trying different things out if it doesn't work, and not being yeah. not being not being terrified also by they don't have the answer to that question. They don't have to have the answer to. How how is this going to work? And 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 find the people's stories that um, of people around you because dyslexics are everywhere, and to seek that out so that that you know you don't feel alone. I think dyslexia you can feel so alone so many times because you feel it's it's just yeah. you in this bubble and and you can't quite you know you're not getting the expressing things in the right way, especially as a young kid. But to have you know to feel part that this is there's other stories out there. There's other people out there that will be able to relate, I think is key. Yeah. Thank you, William. That's brilliant.
Yeah, it's been. Thank you so much for having. You know Spielberg's dyslexic. Is he? I didn't know that. It's a, I didn't know that at all. I because I, I know there's certain careers yeah. that uh, there's a a lot of very successful people in those. I know architecture as well. There's an awful lot of dyslexics who become architects because they're, apparently they're they're an incredible spatial awareness that is fantastic for designing yeah. buildings. That you know, so in arts roles, it's it's. You know, it, you, I think it's very true though that you find other ways as like, to communicate. That that might be an art, more of an artistic outlet, something like that. That's that's you do you do figure out the best way to do it. And for me, it actually, was eventually words. But <laughs> there's a nice little video with mm-hmm. Spielberg describing. It. He didn't find out until he was in his forties oh, no when his yeah. teenager teenage son was identified. They said, "Well, we think you're dyslexic," yes. and he got tested. And he tells a story about he has to read a ton of scripts. Yeah. And he has to, and he reads it slower than everyone else. He has to go away. He can't re- do a reading first yes. with other people. He has to go away, read it, and then come back and then spend the night on it and come back. And then he can read it around the table with others and, and analyze it. Yeah. But, that's his process. You know, it's interesting that he's a close yeah. reader. He's a very close yeah. reader. But I bet he needs that sort of solace removed from it. But that, that's one of the things, if someone handed me a script or a text to read and said, okay, read it in front of me, or even read it aloud, and you say, you know, if you're doing a film, or everyone's going around the room reading lines to start with, and the director usually does, will do a part, that for me is, oh, wow, I couldn't imagine, you know, I, I, that's one of the things that still gets me, is if someone says, oh, read this aloud, if it's like a kid's book, it, you know, I still stutter, I still, you know, you got to find the comedy in that eventually, because it's... You know that's yeah. something you never go about. That's that's amazing that Spielberg actually does that, and because obviously he's not you're not getting around that doing a film and just reading scripts all day and be able to do that. That's fantastic. But yeah, I bet as when he in his forties, what why wouldn't you know when he was younger, dyslexia wasn't as there was almost no awareness for it, and yeah. and now now there is, thank God, because it is more prevalent than people think. Well, William, I'm looking forward to seeing you on some credits. Hopefully one day, fingers crossed. Yeah. Channel 4, will you be on the credits for Channel 4? Oh, I don't think I'll be on the credits for Channel 4. Not yet, but I hope hope to, you know, (laughs) one day. Okay. Well, William, for a 24-year-old, a lot of very mature and valuable advice there. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for the time. Come on. Appreciate it. See you later. See you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's brought to you by bulletmapstudio.com. We've got a few things to tell you here. The show notes are at bulletmapstudio.com forward slash 37 with various different links there that are useful. Please remember to leave a review. And if you want to know more about a systematic approach to study skills, well, that's exactly what Bullet Map Studio does for dyslexic families, dyslexic children, especially 10 to 13 year olds to get them ready for high school. If you want to check this out, check us out at bulletmapstudio.com or come to one of our webinars or just try out the method with uh, a free little video at bulletmapstudio.com forward slash brainstorm or come to one of our talks bulletmapstudio.com forward slash webinar and hear more about how mind mapping can help dyslexia so thank you for the look forward to seeing you at the next episode bye
This podcast is sponsored by DyslexiaProductivityCoaching.com. It's my day job when I'm not hosting this podcast. Tell me, do you know what you want to achieve in the workplace, but you're struggling with how to achieve it? Maybe you suspect some traits of dyslexia are getting in the way. Well, that's where Dyslexia Productivity Coaching comes in, because we give you a simple productivity system for your Apple devices that harnesses the creativity that comes with your dyslexia. It includes proven methods like note-taking, reminders, speech-to-text, mind mapping, and more, all tailored to your needs. It'll free up your time and help you achieve outstanding results. Book a complimentary call to discuss it with me, and if you do it soon, I may also be available to coach you personally via Zoom. So don't be shy. Go to dyslexiaproductivitycoaching.com or swipe up and book it now.